It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You got a journalism for that! The kids continue to get it done with Justin Morissette. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. You're locked on Canucks for the evening of February 4th, 2021. Coming to you in the immediate aftermath of the Vancouver Canucks dropping a 7-3 decision to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first meeting between these two teams this season. I am Justin Morissette, and uh, boy, where do we start? Where do we start? It is, uh, there's a lot to unpack in the game that happened this evening, there's a lot to unpack, really, over the last couple weeks. And first of all, uh, before we get into the team any further, um, maybe this is immaterial, maybe uh, the majority of you completely understand my situation and I offer you no explanation whatsoever, but you may have noticed that I brought the show back out of hiatus a couple weeks ago and then immediately disappeared again. And uh, there's good news related to that, which is that I have started to walk again. I finally got the go-ahead, the all-clear yesterday morning, actually, from my surgeon that I am allowed to put 100% of my weight uh, on my uh, bad leg, I guess, for lack of a better term, my left leg, uh, my my (laughs) repaired leg. What, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about this, but I do just want to say uh, that, yes, it is a great thing that I got to, that I'm starting to walk again. Uh, I actually started about like last week, a week and a half ago, uh, before I actually got the official all clear because I was desperate to do it. I just wanted to go so bad. I want to be a normal, healthy, recovered human being really, really, really badly. Um, unfortunately, like eh, there's, there is a negative drawback to this, I guess, uh, which is that, yes, it's great that I'm starting to walk again. It is just unfortunate that with that has come a just astonishing level of exhaustion. It takes so much out of me physically. It is the most draining thing in the world uh, at the moment, I find anyways, uh, putting weight on my leg and walking and trying to do all these normal things. Or it was when I first started. It's a lot less draining right now, which means I'm out of the worst part of this whole thing and very, very close to being a uh, fully recovered, normal, regular person who can keep a normal, regular podcast schedule again and get you these Locked On Canucks podcasts that you do love so very much, I'm sure, uh, back in your ear holes once more. And again, I know I probably don't offer you an ex- uh, I, I don't need to offer an explanation on that. Uh, I do, don't need to make excuses. I've been through a, a very... Um, horrible ordeal over the last five months, and uh, I know a lot of you are very sympathetic, and I appreciate the messages, actually, that were sent my way from a number of listeners uh, who listened to the shows a couple weeks ago. Some significantly after the fact. It's interesting to find out that people are listening to these things a week and a half after I dropped them, and they're not too dated to still be enjoyable, but... uh, 
I really appreciated and was really heartened by the messages that I received from you guys. So I do want to say thank you as well before we get things started in earnest. And I don't know where to start, honestly. I'm going to be honest right now. I have recorded this intro more than a few times now and scrapped it and restarted every single time because I didn't like my energy. I felt despondent, like JT Miller is playing for the most part lately, uh, save for his performance this evening where... After I savaged him on Twitter, he turned around and uh, had a very nice assist on the Bo Horvat goal uh, in this game and had a beautiful goal of his own, his third of the season. But, you know, facts are facts. It's been a very slow start to the year for JT Miller. He looks completely checked out mentally. His body language has been terrible, by and large. And he'll be the first to tell you that this team needs to be better, that it is the star players right now who are letting this group down. And that is true. Uh, but it is also management that is letting this team down in a significant way, and I think that might play into the attitudes of the players here as well, because, look, this is a conversation that's getting kicked around quite a lot right now in Canucks Twitter. We have seen teams quit on a coach before, made it clear that change needed to be made, that they had tuned this guy out. I don't know that we've ever seen a team quit on a general manager ever before, but I don't know how else to explain some of the performances that we have seen from guys who have been consistently excellent for this team in the past. And JT Miller is chief among those guys. You know, I put this on Twitter last night, or earlier this evening, I guess, depending on what time you're listening to this show, that a year ago at this time, JT Miller was Jim Benning's prized possession, the number one acquisition that he had made over the course of his Canucks GM tenure that you could point to and say, uh, this is indisputably good, even if the, the price was high, it's worth it, the reward has panned out, uh, you know, this is the move that has saved Jim Benning's job. You flash forward 365 calendar days, what a difference a year makes. Yeah, I mean, all that COVID stuff is crazy, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm referencing the fact that the guy who might have saved Jim Benning's job last year in JT Miller might be right now one of the biggest on-ice contributors to the momentum off the ice to get the Vancouver GM fired at the moment. He is so checked out. Uh, look, I find that statement to be self-evident, but if you need an explanation, here it is. You know, the star players are the ones letting this team down, by and large. Every time those guys make a mistake, it's JT Miller, it's Elias Pettersson, it's Quinn Hughes, and quite often it is also Tyler Myers, but I don't consider him a top player even if he is paid like one. Um... It's those guys who are making the giveaways that are ending up in the back of this team's net more often than not. And if they were playing better, I don't know that they would necessarily be winning more because 6-8 and eight sort of feels about right for this team through the first 14 games. But they would be losing closer, I guess, which would be... Um, I don't know if preferable is the right word, but it's certainly... You know, there's a reason why there's pressure on Jim Benning right now, why there is a growing uh, movement to have this general manager finally deposed after seven years on the job. And part of it is that a lot of people have not liked this guy for a very long time, myself included. But, but the biggest part of it is that the Canucks right now are routinely getting embarrassed. They have been 
Well, they've been on the losing end of eight games so far this year, and also, in eight games so far this year, have allowed five or more goals. Uh, that's not a good place to be 14 games into the season. Five or more goals in more than half of your games played? They have to be one of the most permissive, one of the worst defensive teams in the entire league, and the numbers do bear that out. And I don't know how you can lay the blame for that on Travis Green when A, look at this roster he's been handed to work with, and B, we are coming off of Travis's best performance as a coach in the NHL. He was indisputably a master tactician and got the most out of what he was given in last year's playoffs. That playoff bubble performance as a coach was fantastic. So who do you blame? Do you think Elias Pettersson is not the player that we once thought he was? I don't think so. I'm not going to lay the blame at Petey's feet. I'm not going to say that he was too concerned with his brand or too focused on his Instagram or whatever crap we've heard in the market over the last couple weeks. I'm not going to lay the blame at Quinn Hughes' feet, even if he's been out of sorts. Look, even if you think those two guys haven't performed necessarily to the level that they should, you can lay that at the feet of Jim Bannon as well, because reported by Elliot Friedman, no less, who has been very defensive when it comes to Jim Benning, uh, you know, he suggested after the Canucks dropped those games in Calgary back uh, in games three and four of the season when Pedersen and Hughes looked extremely out of sorts, that when Elias Pedersen was struggling and needed somebody to turn to, his guidance figure, his mentor figure, the, the ear that uh, he landed on, the, the shoulder that he would lean on, was Jacob Markstrom's. And when Quinn Hughes was in trouble and, and questioning himself and going through a dark night of the soul, the person that he would turn to for answers and clarity and direction as a young player new to the NHL was Chris Tanev. And for a team that has consistently uh, promised to pay for integrity and character and leadership and certainly used those as the excuses while they handed out multi-year, multi-million dollar, enormous contracts to, let's face it, fourth-line hockey players. They let their real leaders walk away this offseason, and their young players are struggling for that. And I think that's accepted, or to be expected and accepted when it comes to the performances of these young guys who still have some, you know, time in the woods in their careers yet, who still have to figure things out at the pro level and are having to do it without their team dads right now. I think you can lay that at the feet of Jim Benning, and I don't want to hear excuses about anything else. I don't want to hear about how the pandemic changed things. I don't want to hear about Luongo cap recapture because there are no excuses seven years into being on the job for this team's failures to be anyone else's other than James Bennings. And we'll talk about that after the break. Are you ready for some football? I know I certainly am. Uh, I'm going to be watching it this coming Sunday. I bet you are as well. We can't leave our houses. It's a pandemic. You can't be out, of course, watching it at the bar and having a ton of people over. So what better way to make the big game more exciting this year than to get a little action, as it were. <laughs> Have a little money riding on the game itself. And what better place to do it than at Bet 
online. Yes, there is only one place that has you covered, one place we trust. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. There's tons of prop bets to get in on with the Super Bowl this weekend, of course. What color is the Gatorade? Uh, you know, uh, what what is the coin flip going to be? Who is going to win? Who is going to be MVP? There's lots of things that you can get action on and make every single part of this game. The length of the anthem, uh, the, the halftime show, which song is going to be played first. There's tons of things that you can bet on with the prop bets right now. Uh, or just the outcome. Who do you think is going to win this thing between Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? It's going to be a wild one, and you can make it even wilder. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On once again to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, here we go. Still not getting into the details of tonight's game, where, of course, the Canucks lost 7-3 to the Toronto Maple Leafs, including a hat-trick for a 38-year-old Jason Spezza, who looked like a young Tyler Toffoli against this Canucks defense. It was not a great game, but... That's not curious, really. That's not a, a a thing that surprises us at this point when we've seen Vancouver get dismantled by teams that have depth in general already multiple times this season. Four times, really. Four and a half, if you want to count the shootout win that they had at the hands uh, or <laughs> of the Montreal Canadiens. We've seen this dance many, many times before. What we haven't seen, not for a good many years anyways, is... Jim Benning just putting his foot in his mouth as nakedly as he did earlier this week. And a sign that this team laid off most of their PR department and did not replace them over the course of this offseason. Jim Benning took to the Vancouver province yesterday to set his own house on fire. You've probably heard all about the article at this point because you've probably read it multiple times to confirm it even happened. It is that surprising, an admission of guilt from a general manager who thought he was defending himself. Yes, Jim Benning spoke to Ben Kuzma in the Vancouver province yesterday, trying to uh, pour water on the fire that is the eight goals that Tyler Toffoli has scored against his former club so far this season. Instead, he may as well have poured gasoline all over his own face and body and chair. And, you know, it's not just his seat that's hot. He is uh, basically self-immolating at the moment because of quotes like this. Here we go. It was our intention to try and get him signed. And if we could have had a little more time, we could have tried to work through that, Benning said Wednesday. It got to a point where I know Tyler wanted to come back and we were trying to figure it out. We kind of ran out of time with him getting offers and one he needed to take. We would have had to move money out. Elsewhere in the article, uh, Benning also says that, uh, well, he doesn't. He, there, I don't know that there are any more direct quotes from that. Okay, yeah, there are actually. Here we go. He's got more on Toffoli. He's got nine goals and eight against us, and we tried to figure something out with him, but we didn't, repeated Benning. Toffoli played ten games with us in the regular season and scored six goals in the playoffs. He played hurt and was supposed to be out longer, but came back to help the team. 
You'd think you would want to keep a guy like that around, but no, Benning says we ran out of time. Ran out of time during... A, uh, a stopped season that had to resume several months later because of the pandemic. Look, maybe you didn't know what was going to happen because of the flat cap that was sort of rumored to be happening. Uh, Daniel Wagner lays out an excellent timeline of this whole thing in an article that he wrote for the Vancouver Courier, or rather, uh, sorry, Vancouver is awesome. VIA is where you can find Daniel Wagner now. Uh, and <laughs> he laid it all out, the timeline of why this doesn't add up at all. But, uh, you know, free agency opened on, what, October 9th last year? And Tyler Toffoli signed with the uh, Montreal Canadiens on October 12th, the fourth day of free agency, after being traded to the Canucks eight months earlier. The longest period in history that any general manager has ever had, basically, to re-sign a pending free agent acquired at the trade deadline because the pandemic gave you so many extra months. You would not have needed to know, uh, you know, you would not have needed to wait until the day that free agency opened to start thinking that you might be able to re-sign Tyler Toffoli. Unless, of course, you just have no one working in your front office, which is the exact situation that the Canucks find themselves in right now. Because, look... I think the writing is on the wall right now, and this general manager and his AGM in John Weisbrod are not long for this franchise any longer. And when they came in, the number one knock against the uh, previous regime that preceded them, the Mike Gillis regime, was that they had left the cupboards empty. There were no NHL-ready prospects ready to just be inserted into the lineup in the way that this team has a, a prospect that jumps into their lineup uh, seemingly every single year lately. Uh, you know, we, we didn't have those in 2012, 2013, 2014 even. We didn't have uh, NHL prospects ready to jump in there. But what we did have was a staff structure uh, of smart people who are largely gone from the organization now. Jim Benning uh, has driven out Judd Brackett, his director of scouting. He's driven out uh, too many assistant general managers to count. He's driven out a number of scouts as well. Uh, John Weisbrot has been a part of this too. It's not just Jim by himself. Uh, these guys seem to dispel people all around them while bringing in no one to replace these people. So yes, did Mike Gillis leave the cupboards empty when he was out? He did, yeah, but he was also pushing all in to try and win a Stanley Cup during a team's competitive window. He was not pushing all in during the first year that the team might make the playoffs. Uh, but never mind that for now, okay? Did he leave the cupboards bare? Yes. But when Jim and John are gone, the entire organization will be bare. Will they have some prospects, maybe, in the next couple of years that you could put into the uh, the lineup? Sure, they will. But in terms of smart people who work here, who can be put in positions of power uh, or put in positions of leadership to do more than they currently are, there's not a lot of people who even work for the Canucks right now, and that number seems to be shrinking by the day as they lay off staff uh, more and more throughout the pandemic. Sure, there haven't been any cuts in a little while, but they, they haven't brought anybody back either. And in fact, their social media team posted an image today before the game started against Toronto that said we were playing Montreal. And it took, in fact, 12 whole minutes for that image to be corrected. 
Is that the sign of a team that laid off most of its PR staff, most of its social media team? It sure sounds like one to me. And they're not filling those positions. They're certainly not filling the vacancies left by people like Judd Brackett, a guy whose responsibilities shifted over entirely to John Weisbrod in the move that was never formally made because the Canucks as an organization fully understand that within this market, within this fan base, the very name of John Weisbrod is poisonous, and you cannot announce that he is now leading your draft because uh, this pe- the people just simply would not have it here, which is certainly a great sign that this man is beloved and should be continued to be employed. You know, there, there's nothing that says we have confidence in this person more than we can't even announce what his job responsibilities are because people would be too mad. Spectacular. And we'll get back to that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you, About auto parts, yes, we know, folks, that going to a garage, going to uh, have your car looked at, can be an exhausting experience. Of course, there are so many makes and models these days that anywhere you go, probably not going to have the specific part that your car requires anyways, and you know how those guys are when you're in there. They don't have the part that you need, but they're going to try and sell you something that you don't. That is not the case, however, for the good folks at rockauto.com. Yes, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, you are always going to find what you need. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices that you prefer and best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much to get the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box, so you know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Now, where were we? Right. Meanwhile, you have a general manager who's not just admitting that he ran out of time, but admitting that he was strapped by his own bad contracts that he has handed out like candy since basically the moment he took over seven years ago. The most disappointing and frustrating thing about this team and this front office and the current state of this club and watching it struggle the way it is, is that... You know, Jackson McDonald and I talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. It's not even really fun to be right right now, because if you have seen the writing on the wall for these guys for six years, basically, for the last six years, look, I, for one, gave these guys some leeway, some benefit of the doubt when they first took over. I didn't really like Jim Benning at first. 
He sort of uh, gives you the first impression that he's not particularly smart as a human being just from the way he speaks, an impression that is simply confirmed when you watch him make trades and maneuvers over the course of a seven-year general manager tenure. However, uh, you know, I was willing to give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. I was willing to come into this tenure, despite being someone who really liked Mike Gillis, I was really willing to come into this new era of Canucks hockey with an open mind and let the these guys either win me over or repel me. And I wasn't necessarily convinced or, you know, led one way or the other by a series of weird moves throughout that first offseason that uh, they made. But, you know, uh, it was really the day that the Lucas Pisa and Derek Dorsett contract extensions were handed down that things really came off the rails for me, that I stopped believing in the ability of this front office to make smart decisions uh, when it comes to player assessment and money allocation. That was April 8th of 2015. That was nearly... (laughs) That was nearly six years ago. We are two months away from that being six years ago. And so, no, it is not fun to be right about something that you have seen coming uh, for six years. And it's not even about wanting to be right or having the people who've been telling us that we're wrong for the last six years admit that they are, in fact, the ones who have been wrong. It's not about that. It's not about who's right and wrong and pride and all that stuff. It's like... It's like living on a planet that is slowly heating up and having people tell you that global warming isn't real. And in fact, if you just think happy thoughts, uh, the polar ice cap temperatures will go down. If you just think positively, global warming will reverse itself. And in fact, I don't believe global warming even exists. That is what it has felt like following this team for the last six years. Feeling that the water in the pot around you is slowly getting hotter, and yet none of the other frogs in the pot uh, can tell that they're being boiled, except for you. That is the feeling of having followed this team for more than half of a decade at this point. So no, it is not fun. This is not a victory lap. This is just sad. It's really, really sad. Because what we are watching right now is the absolute waste of the final years of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes' entry-level contracts. And, you know, as much as I have wanted to be right about this guy, and I have been right all along, as much as I want to see this GM gone, you don't want to see a year of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes go to waste like this, especially the final year where they're going to be cheap and affordable and you have the flexibility to surround them with a better supporting cast than what this team has been able to surround them with. You know... Tyler Toffoli desperately wanted to be here. He really wanted to stay. He would have taken a deal very similar to what he signed for in Montreal. And I'm sorry, there is just no way to tell me that this team could not have made that contract work. There just isn't. I will not accept that. It's... It's so silly when the first thing they did was run out and sign a goalie who cost even more than Tyler Toffoli did. A goalie who is currently on pace to become their backup, basically already is their backup, uh, though it's not like Thatcher Demko really fared much better uh, than Braden Holtby would have against the Toronto Maple Leafs this evening. So, you know, 
the idea that they didn't have the money to do this, you could have signed a cheaper backup goalie when you already felt like Thatcher Demko was going to be the guy. You could have not signed Jake Vertanen at all, and I guarantee you no one except extreme freaks and Jake stands, the guys who will believe in this guy until the day they die because of a trade that happened 10 years before most of them were even born. Uh, you know, those are the people who would be mad. The people who are upset about Tyler Toffoli being gone, the people who desperately wanted Tyler Toffoli to stay, the people who desperately wanted Troy Stetcher to stay, not a single one of those people would raise a single objection if Jake Vertanen was not on this team. If they walked away and said, look, it's, it is what it is. This is an unfortunate salary cap casualty, uh, but we just don't have $3 million to see if Jake wants to wake up this year. He doesn't. And... Uh, that is looking like money wasted. Look, this is all this is all plain as daylight. This has been so clear to see for so very long. And that's why it's been so frustrating for the last several years to have people tell you, whether it's on Twitter or on the radio or on podcasts, that this team doesn't have cap problems, that this team doesn't have bad contracts, that this team is not going to be affected by money in any way over the course of these outrageous deals being handed out to players who can barely crack the lineup. Well, guess what? They do have that. They do have all of those problems. They have all come home to roost all at once, right at the time when this team as a franchise should be taking that additional step. The one that they made last year was a start. Yes, making the playoffs, making a little bit of noise in there as a team that is first, uh, you know, sneaking in for the first time as a young group. That's a start. But taking that next step to being a perennial playoff team is what this team should be doing right now. But instead, at the time four years ago when they needed to be making moves to shore up on young players and picks to help surround this core when they were coming into their own, they traded those picks and players away for veterans who didn't help them and in fact actively made them worse. And the defense of those moves all along has been that you cannot be the Edmonton Oilers. You cannot throw a bunch of kids into the NHL and not have a bunch of uh, veteran leaders there for them to help them uh, float, you know? But guess what? That's exactly what the Edmonton Oilers did. How do you think the Edmonton Oilers got so bad to be picking first overall as often as they did in the first place? It's by being the worst team in hockey while spending to the salary cap and trying to be competitive. Does that sound familiar? Because it's exactly what the Canucks have done almost every year under Jim Benning. It should sound familiar. This is the world we live in. And I take no pleasure in it. I can just simply see that this is what it is, in the words of Todd Bertuzzi, and it has been that for quite a long time. Fingers crossed, in this city anyways, that it won't be this way much longer. That is your Locked On Canucks for the evening. Whew, that got a little more fiery than I was expecting, perhaps, but... Almost not fiery enough. And if you enjoyed that, if you enjoyed uh, the conversation that I had with Jackson McDonald on the show a couple weeks ago, well, I kind of thought after that conversation with Jackson that maybe we were a little hot relative to uh, the temperature of the city, that we had come out swinging a little hard against this management group. And then in the days and weeks that followed, it seemed like we had pulled our punches, if anything. Jackson will be joining me again tomorrow, and on Saturday as well, I would imagine, given the length of the conversations that we tend to have. So you can look forward to that in the lead-up to the next meeting between the Canucks and Maple Leafs coming your way on Hockey Night in Canada this Saturday night. It is the Toronto Maple Leafs, so you know that game is going to be at 4 p.m. Until tomorrow when I'm back, fingers crossed, with Jackson McDonald of Roxy Fever. <laughs>
and you know we're going to have a good time. Uh, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.